Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Shikar Kalvokalanu, who works for um, High Alpha as a strategy and innovation specialist. Shikar is a connoisseur of technology and often is a you know day at first off, you know actually the first <laughs> adopter for new technology gadgets. He spends his time significantly amount with uh, focusing on his own scientific endeavors. He also serves as the director of curriculum for the OR Fellowship. Hi Alpha is a venture studio pioneering a new model of entrepreneurship combining company information or formation actually with venture capital. Hi Shakar, how are you doing today? Great, how are you? I'm doing awesome. So um, we had a great conversation just kind of leading up to this. And um, you're telling, it's interesting you're telling me about your position being a strategy and innovation specialist in high alpha. And um, yeah. Yeah. one, I want to know more about what that is. And I think our audience wants to know. And the second thing is, what are the marketing hurdles that you, that you see that startups face? Sure. Um, so as a strategy and innovation specialist, a lot of what I'm doing is building new ideas for high alpha, um, to look into the future. So it's a pretty unique role, um, even for a venture capital, but really I am looking at emerging technologies, new companies that are sort of coming through the door and determining whether they, we think that's part of the future or not. Um, and marketing is actually like a very big part of it, right? The thing, that I'm looking at more often than not is a marketing document, right? That's their pitch deck. And that's the ultimate version of the marketing document um, for a startup. You're basically trying to convince, you know, us kind of like a customer why we should give you money. Um, and that's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Um, it's even more difficult than pitching a customer sometimes, just because a lot of times VCs have sort of these typical notions, um, which are couched in theses about where they should invest their money and their time and efforts. Um, so, you know, when you're a venture capital firm, marketing is critical to us. Um, and we see a lot of what that happens to the customer. Um, one of the sort of the big things that we look for when, you know, you're a, when you're a company that's trying to look for investment is your ability to gain customers. And right, that's all about your marketing strategy. At the end of the day, if you're unable to acquire customers and keep them happy over time, that's a big flag for us. So I think, you know, it's about articulating your business concept in a meaningful way to the right customer. Um, it's something that a lot of companies have a lot of trouble to do. And you'll find that, you know, a lot of the statistics that are out there, especially considering um, how like most companies don't make it past three years um, of their life and they don't raise a series A, that's because of something called product market fit that we talk about as, at a venture capital firm. And a lot of startups talk about this as well, right? It's your ability to sort of create a meaningful solution to people's problems. And one, your marketing ability to articulate that problem to people in a way that resonates with them. Um, so if you're unable to do that, a lot of times you don't get that mar product market fit and your company doesn't really take off. So it's absolutely critical um, for startups um, to sort of have marketing as a major function from day one. I think you'll find that a lot of the companies that forego marketing in the beginning struggle a lot. I think it's well put talking about product market fit. How do they fit into the eco space? Um, and going off of that, when we're now we're still talking about marketing is, you know, once a startup, you know, starts to get that product market fit, 
you know, how should startups market themselves? Can you dive a little bit more into the and deep into that of, you know, your experience, what you've seen at High Alpha? Yeah, I mean, um, full disclosure, High Alpha's companies are very early stage. So I'd say that, you know, we're a lot of the time still trying to figure that product market fit. And a lot of that has to do with listening. Um, one of the things that I can't stress enough to people is that like, when you're early stage in a business, you are your main function is listening to how the consumer articulates their problem and trying to match that rather than trying to force your articulation onto people. So it's a different kind of marketing, right? When you think about marketing, it's usually a communication aspect to the customer rather than the other way around where a customer is communicating you to something. So marketing has to be a lot more fluid at the startup level. Um, and has a lot to do with what your superpower is at the end of the day. Um, you know, if you're a product heavy company and you can sort of imagine companies that are like this, right? You have a revolutionary, revolutionary net new product that nobody's ever heard of. Um, you have to evangelize and you have to sort of create a market around it. Um, so that fundamentally shifts the way in which you market and how you're marketing to individuals and that sort of stuff that happens in that atmosphere versus if you are building a new CRM, um, it's a different kind of marketing, right? You can imagine that it's much more talking about what you do differently and, uh, you know, competitive space, um, rather than, you know, maybe like a Salesforce or something like that. Right. Um, I think it's a very difficult sort of question, right? Cause marketing can make or break a company at the end of the day. There's no way to like do it right per se. Um, and there's no one way of doing marketing. Marketing is incredibly difficult and it's incredibly varied. Right. I think, the, you know, even from the standpoint of the companies we're building, one of our companies is Quantify and that company is all about finding new channels, new audiences and new methods of even, you know, marketing itself, right? So there's a ton of different ways, even within the larger sort of components we talk about, like social um, or content marketing. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've been in the, uh, been in the marketing space uh, for five or six years now. And I, and I know, each customer is different, each marketplace, each market fit. So as we move down the, the questions here, it just all kind of aligns. What's your market fit? What's your marketing? I think the next question um, I have for you is, what does marketing look like um, as a venture capital firm or a VC? Yeah, I think this is one of the really interesting parts about it. Um, you, I mean, typically people sort of assume that VCs, um, I mean, I think this is easily sort of understandable as to why people think this, but VCs don't really market that much or like they don't care for marketing. They care for like new ideas and teams above everything else. Um, but the biggest function of a VC is marketing, right? You'll find that you recognize VCs based on their blogs more often than their deal flow. Um, it's kind of funny that way, even though the deal flow is what makes or breaks VCs. And I think, um, you know, the examples I would give you are like, People have huge followings around like big investors, um, like Tom Tungus, um, Benedict Evans, all these great people who are quite intelligent people, but it's a marketing function that they play more, more or less. And that's because, um, in order for VCs to get the deal flow that they need, um, they actually need to have a thesis sort of a thesis or something or thesis that they're sort of spreading out there. Um, one of the more famous ones is software is eating the world by Andreessen Horowitz. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think right now, especially for our first fund at High Alpha, um, one of the biggest roles I play is this evangelism of our thesis and the way we go about doing things. We have a pretty unique concept 
at High Alpha called Sprint Week, where essentially what we do is we break down um, everybody's calendars and say no meetings. Um, it's a bunch of unscheduled time. And the idea behind the unscheduled time is that every single person can walk, work in these cross-functional teams and their single goal is to make a company by the end of the week or a compelling pitch run at the very minimum. And because of that, um, that's a very foreign concept to a lot of people. And our methodology is a little bit different. So for us to get funded is one way that we have to market and evangelize our concept for venture capital. But it's also to get in the right deals, right? Um, when, you know, investors look for partners, they look for people who have similar missions and similar visions for the types of products they want to get investments with, as well as like when startups are choosing, you know, who they want to bring into their deals, especially the more popular ones, um, they are thinking, Who's going to add value? And that's all about your marketing as a VC. It's something that um, we spend a lot of time doing. And um, I, interestingly enough, we wrote our 100th blog post today. Um, and I mean, in three years, writing 100 blog posts should sort of tell you that we market a lot as a venture capital firm. And we're building a brand so we can have that solid deal flow and therefore have that flywheel that sort of happens where we're building a brand. People want us as a part of their journey as a startup and effectively build something with us, you know, that doesn't happen with a lot of VC firms just because they don't do a lot of the marketing stuff. And the biggest VCs that you do see out there are extremely good at marketing. Um, they have that brand presence and things of nature, right? There's a reason why you recognize a Kleiner Perkins, uh, Andreessen Horowitz and stuff like that when you get on a deal and that helps repair the company, right? Um, at the end of the day, one of the big things about marketing as well for like startups is having big investors, big names, um, things of that nature on your website. So, you know, when we're, when we're as a VC, marketing is actually a hugely critical function for us. And, you know, without marketing, we probably wouldn't be where we are right now. I totally agree. I mean, marketing gets you out there, gets you in front of people. If you're, you know, someone, you know, working, um, you know, as a developer per se, let's just give that example of working in the corner. No one knows who you are, right. but if you kind of, you know, people know yourself and that kind of stuff, you can build yourself to that point. And I was waiting for you to, you know, talk about Adrian Horowitz. I was just waiting for you to just pop that name in. Cause that's like one of the top ones right there. The top one, um, switching a little gears here about how VCs market, how high alpha markets, you know, and, now you're helping, you know, startups market under under your umbrella, and you're seeing other startups market. You know, my right. first question out of this is how important it is to market in startups, and then also what is the stage in a company that they should start marketing, and and what kind of have you seen with different companies with high alpha, of uh, different stages, different approaches, um, and then you can probably even go and talk about a little bit of the sprint week because I, I I think a lot of people would be interested in that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll start with the marketing stuff and the, I can sort of talk about Spring Week a little bit later. But um, basically, I think marketing is critical, right? Um, it should be a day one operation, but kind of like I was talking about before, right? Like the method in which your marketing happens is different. Um, I think at the very early stage, um, it's about learning your market identity. And that's something that we talk about a lot, right? How do you want to articulate yourself? Um, how do you want to differentiate yourself? Um, what is the thing that you put on your website? When people first come to your website, what are they associating with your name? And we spend a lot of time thinking about the design and methodology, but how we want to talk about our companies as well as how we how we phrase them in the beginning, right? 
I think for a lot of our companies, it's very different. We have companies all over the map from marketing tech companies all the way to the, you know, legal space with Doxily. We have Zylo and, you know, the IT spend management space. Um, so the, we have a, a wide, wide degree of companies. I would say we spend a lot of time on content marketing. Again, that's sort of the evangelism aspect of it. You know, you want to make sure people believe that your product is real and your um, problem is real. Um, we have a huge problem fixation here at High Alpha. We want to know problems deeply and intimately in order to more effectively talk about them with people. So that evolution happens over time, right? As you grow older, the nuance behind how you understand you know, the problem that you're trying to solve and the way you articulate it to people is more nuanced and it can often get better. I think, you know, when we first talked about quantify, um, as an example, um, we talked about it in the vein of like programmatic marketing very specifically, um, and said, you know, quantify is just going to automate, um, your ad spend management. And then over time, as the idea got more fleshed out and we talked to more customers, it sort of pivoted to something about experimental marketing and finding new channels, audiences, and content to find. And that sort of is what I'm talking about as an early stage company. Um, that was based on customer feedback. We literally did beta tests with a few companies around Indianapolis and said, Hey, you know, what, what's your biggest problem? Let's understand that problem. And that's how we found like a meaningful articulation and a meaningful way to sort of jut um, quantify into their marketing stack. I mean, you know, marketing in that sense, right, is like absolutely critical. If you can't find a meaningful problem to solve that's unique, people say, I don't want to spend money on you because there's 40,000 other marketing products you could spend my money on. Um, so, you know, as like you evolve, I think it varies a lot. I mean, you have typical social media sort of stuff that everybody's sort of getting on right now. But I think like the big thing for us is, you know, the customer conversation that sort of helps us build the marketing strategy, right? Um, we have a director of marketing here named Drew Beetzler. Um, we have a marketing associate named Paige Schaefer, um, who's also an org fellow. Um, and they do a great job of sort of coordinating like the marketing um, of all of our companies. And, you know, they, we do everything for them in terms of just, you know, helping them identify a brand, helping them identify opportunities for, to, for them to get their brand out. Um, we have big events throughout the year that we can sort of pitch our companies to. One of the more recent ones that we sort of created something called Alloy, in which we actually bring, you know, large companies and small companies all throughout Indianapolis to just come here. We have like, it's sort of like a pitch day for a lot of our companies. And that's like a sort of a new marketing thing that we've done. And we find incredible success doing it. Um, so I think it changes a lot, right? I think, um, you know, there's a sort of traditional methods. There's sort of the new methods that we've been trying out. I wouldn't say we've figured marketing out by any means, right? Marketing is something that changes every single day. Um, and you constantly need to sort of be up on the new thing. Um, and, you know, that's actually, ironically enough, you know, the reason why we built Quantify, um, understanding how marketing changes over time um, and being adjusting to that. So, yeah, I mean, as early as you can for marketing um, and as long as you can, just keep doing it until something doesn't work and you always have to be listening. That's the most important part about marketing. If you're not listening to your customers and what people are saying and articulating your needs in a way that's meaningful to them, you're not going to get past um, any meaningful success. I think Shafar, you put that, you put that really perfectly uh, with the marketing stuff. And can you kind of um, describe uh, going back to kind of your guys' sprint stuff yeah. with, uh, with marketing in itself, uh, talking about with Drew Page and yourself about 
what's the marketing side in the sprint? If you kind of can explain that to everybody about kind of thinking more of an agile approach um, to, to marketing. Yeah. So, um, so we have uh, four days to build a company. So on Monday morning, um, you're assigned a team. You don't know what team you're on. And basically, the team has a very, I would say, generally articulated problem. Um, an example of something that might be articulated is something like student engagement on campuses is not great. Let's fix it, right? So it's something that's very broad. And like sometimes the problem is not well articulated to the point where you actually have to do a lot of customer discovery. Um, the company that actually started from that specific concept was Clear Scholar. Um, is in the ad tech space right now. So I think like the big thing for us is on Monday, it's all about internal discussion about the problem. We, so we do a lot of preliminary research. Um, this is where I would say that like I spend the most of my time and the bulk of what I do is this ideation sort of stuff, right? Market making and understanding of a ton of different markets. Um, so that can only get you some part of the way, right? After you do all this market research, I help, I think it sort of helps us by the end of Monday, the first day of the sprint week, to really articulate a meaningful problem and something that we can sort of codify to some degree. Um, it's written in cement and it's like wet cement right now. So it's kind of drying a little bit. We're starting to, you know, getting conviction around the way we do it. And, but it's not like fully there yet. And we sort of understand that. So then on Tuesday, one of the major things we do is actually bringing guests. And this is where the sort of marketing component comes to it, right? We are literally asking them, what's your problem? And then we are pitching them our concept of it. Um, whether we have a solution at that point or we're just deeply articulating a problem and working with them to find a solution um, varies. I think by Tuesday morning, we're trying to build somewhat meaningful solutions to that problem. But a lot of times, you know, like the problem is so difficult that we have to do a lot of customer research to truly understand it. Um, you know, we bring in three to five guests for each team. We also have outside experts for each of our things. So we'll bring in like ed tech specialists if we on our team throughout the entire week. Um, if we have an ed tech idea or any of the other ideas we've had. Um, so that really helps us to understand the marketing component of how we want to articulate our businesses and how we find conviction behind them. You know, if we can't meaningfully articulate these businesses or they're not really, you know, resonating with the customer or potential customer, um, or even a subject matter expert, a person who could potentially lead this business for us, you know, we find that very problematic. And we spend a lot of time doing that. Um, on Wednesday, it's really building something, right? You know, we are using all the feedback that we've gotten over Monday and Tuesday to show and build something that we can sort of create this illusion of a product, right? So a lot of times what we're doing is doing flat screens, um, some basic sort of, you know, understanding of how our product would look, how it would be used, um, our deck. Um, so a very big marketing item, like our pitch deck of sorts to sort of when we are done with Sprint Week, so we can just literally go and spin something up and say, here's what we want to go pitch to people right now. Um, so all that sort of stuff is built on Wednesday. And, you know, Thursday morning, we pitch. So um, we have a 45-minute pitch typically um, with 45 minutes of questions. Everybody in the room um, all teams are there and we do pitches back to back to back. And at the end of the day, we decide what company to start, right? So obviously the really important thing here is that like, it's sort of an internal marketing competition, right? Like how meaningfully compelling can you make an idea seem? And that's something that, you know, has manifested away in a lot of ways, um, 
from we have these sort of gimmicks which are kind of uh you know fun to have where we one time we brought in the butler bulldog for clear scholar um we made t-shirts for one of our companies on like day two um we do all this really crazy stuff in order to just prove the sort of market viability of what we have um and it's it's a it's a meaningful activity it's not just like a gesture or show to basically say oh we could do this um you know when we got the butler bulldog we are deeply engaged and partnering with Butler. Um, and that's sort of the marketing that we did. And the Tuesday sort of discussions that we had um, really help us articulate that meaningful validation of that concept with them and help building that strategy out. Um, and that's what built Clear Scholar. That's what built a lot of our companies, including Xylo, Doxley, Quantify. Um, so it's a huge component of what we do, right? And at the end of the day, these are all things that help us with articulation. We're very rarely building products um, throughout that time. And the product is something that we're probably the least attached to during that process, interestingly enough, right? Um, the product is something that we just sort of take a first hash of, and that's the way we sort of articulate it. What we want to do is create these compelling visions for the future. And that's all in the marketing, the way you talk about your company, and the way you articulate it to people. Um, you know, it's come to the point that um, we don't necessarily, you know, we don't necessarily even like do things unless we can find a market viability quickly for them. Right. So if, uh, if we are unable to confirm, you know, a, like a specific like customer, like orientation towards our product, like a customer likes our product or they're very like bullish on how our product looks and what it would feel like. Um, we don't start that business. You know, we will not even engage going forward with it. Whereas if we have a, something that we found a lot of conviction about and we brought customers in or potential, you know, people that we could partner with, but we didn't get the product right. We will often, you know, re-engage those ideas later on. Um, so the first box we have to check is that customer engagement piece. That's all marketing at the end of the day, right? So um, Sperm Week is all a marketing function for us to understand how to articulate problems meaningfully to people. And if we can't do that, you know, we're not going to start that business. And, you know, as our process evolves, um, we've done it in a lot of different ways over time by having our own ideas in Sprint Week, having other people, like people, entrepreneurs who have built businesses and then have sort of come to us and say like, hey, I want help to build this thing. We've had large corporate entities come to us and say like, hey, we have this idea, but we can't really build it internally. We need your help. Um, all these sort of distinctions, um, that's the sort of one consistent piece that sort of happened over the past three years at High Alpha. Um, we are deeply interested in design and creating meaningful experiences to people. But the first thing you had to do in order to create a meaningful experience to people is to build that conviction about the problem you're solving. Um, Shrikar, that's really awesome because I think um, being an outsider kind of looking in, I, when I saw the Butler Bulldog and being a Butler alumni myself, I, I always, I'm trying to understand like, you know, why, why are they bringing this in? Was it murder show? But then when you, when you explain it, it makes a lot of sense. You're deeply entrenched in the product and seeing the market, you know, viability. And I really love that. Like, I think you summed everything up. And for the listeners out there, you know, Shakar, what, what would be, you know, the number one thing if someone's doing a sprint week to really focus in on? I think it's customer validation. Um, and this is something that a lot of people think they do, but they don't do well is something that I've noticed. Just like, based on conversations I've had with so many 
um, entrepreneurs. And also like when I have ideas, right, you have to go out and socialize with people. Um, I think the most dangerous part of sprinting something is you put in a week in an effort and then you say, I have something, let me go pitch it to people now. Right. Um, so you spend a lot of time thinking about something and then you have a very specific idea of what it looks like. Um, and then you pitch it to people and it doesn't resonate with them. And then you're kind of like, well, okay, now I'm going to re-sprint. And that sort of creates this really, you know, horrifying cycle of you just going through and doing stuff until you get it right. Whereas if you engage them as part of their the process itself, um, like we do on that Tuesday where we actually bring them in, um, it creates an environment where you're building something with them. It creates that mutual sort of understanding that, hey, um, we're not we're not sure if this is right, but we're going to work with you to get it right. Um, and that some of our best customers and the customers that we start all, all of our business with come from that Tuesday discussion. Um, as soon as we're done with that company and say, hey, we want to start this business, we hop right on the phone and get them back in the door and say, hey, are you willing to pay us for this? And a lot of times they are, right? Because we sort of built them into the process of how we build the company. There's that almost that sort of same thing when you're the founder of a business, right? Like we feel like this is a great idea. We put our blood, sweat, and tears into this. And yeah, we like this idea and where it came from, right? So it's all about engaging them during that process rather than after. Um, I think that's the most critical part about it and getting that conviction. Um, it has to be on your side as well as the customer side. You can be as passionate about ideas as you want, but you know, if your customers aren't passionate about it either and they don't love it, um, there's no point of building it because you're, that's a hobby, not a business. I think that's one of the, there's somebody said this like way back when it's kind of like, if you have, if you have an idea, if you have a, if you have a product, but not a customer, it's a hobby. If you have a customer, but not a product, it's a business, right? So if you have a customer and somebody's willing to pay for you and you have nothing to show for it, it's still a business nonetheless, right? Because people believe in the conviction and the future and the problem that you're trying to solve. And that has to be done during the process of creating a business rather than sort of after and sort of you have to retroactively figure all the things that they want in the product. Shakar, I love your passion about this. <laughs> and I think um, I think um, the listeners really want to know um, more about you, kind of moving to our little next section about kind of about the speaker. So we know that you do strategy and innovation at High Alpha. Um, and, you know, you're building out resources, you know, learning new technologies, market trends, business, you know, crafting new business concepts. You know, my question to you is, is what do you do, you know, outside creatively, outside of work and in life to bring passion or to bring new ideas back into high alpha? Yeah. Um, I have this interesting reputation in the office as like, uh, a highly, you know, like my, my, the way that I use my income is probably like frowned upon here at high alpha as we're a venture firm. I basically buy new products. Like I will buy day one, like everything, um, and just play around with it. So a lot of times you will see me like trying out these like new medical supplements and, uh, like I, I got Soylent on day one. Um, I got like the new Xbox One X just to mess around with it. I'm just like in increasingly interested in technology, but I spend a lot of times, um, in science projects as well. Um, one things that, um, I'm really passionate about is building medical products. And I spend a lot of my own personal time researching, reading scientific journals, as well as creating concepts for medical products that can be built. Um, I spend a lot of time with the Orr Fellowship. I serve as director of curriculum there. 
um, and, you know, building a meaningful strategy for us to get better as fellows. Um, I, one thing that I think is kind of interesting, um, it's also a big thing now, but playing video games, I am, I don't know what, um, as a kid, but like video games were like often more compelling to me than movies. And I find that, you know, video games often give me like interesting ideas as to how the world works. Um, and these sort of like weird fantasies, um, as well as I just love like the way that they accelerate a lot of things in life, right? Like esports is huge right now. And it's something that I think about a lot. And in fact, like, you know, I spend a lot of my time figuring out how is esports going to change the world. The last thing I do is just learning stuff. I'm one of those people that, um, every time Udemy sends me an email and says, Oh, there's a $10 course. Um, whether I actually take it or not, I will buy one. Um, and, you know, it's in anything. I will, I will literally sit down and learn anything that anybody is willing to teach me. And so right now what I'm learning is Japanese. There's no real reason why I'm learning Japanese. Um, I just find Japanese culture incredibly interesting and, you know, just want to learn the language. Um, and so I've been spending a lot of time doing that as well as astrophysics. Um, not because I want to start building rockets, but just because, you know, it's fun. So, you know, I, I do all these weird things. In fact, like a couple of days ago, I was making candles um, just because I learned how to do it a couple months ago. Um, so I made candles for a couple people as like a holiday gift. Um, so I, I'm willing to do almost anything in life just to have a little fun. Dude, that's awesome. I love the act of learning. I'm the same way, but except for, I don't know a lot of people who say, I'm just learning astrophysics just because it's fun. <laughs> um i think the i think that's pretty awesome uh, i think the last thing too is um just as being you know successful or you know being part of a company and, and and remaining vigilant not only in your creative process but um having you know your health being a very good being a focus um right. can you kind of shine light of how you um, remain healthy in order to you know, bring back to being creative, bringing back to work and just in life in general? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I do um, is actually just track everything I do. And it seems kind of weird. It seems very mechanical. Um, but for me, it's helped a lot with creating these sort of environments of unstructured time, which I think are the most valuable aspects of my life, right? You know, they're the times that I can relax. Um, when things are stressful, um, there are also the times where, you know, I can do some of the stuff in my life, um, you know, that I, people would assume you don't have time for, right? So every single day, I have a, a simple, very simple tracking app. Um, it's called Toggle. Um, I'm sure a lot of people use it. And what I do is like, when I wake up, um, I'm timing the things I do, right? Um, sometimes it's as simple as like, seeing it's 530 in the morning, and it took me five minutes to do like my oral hygiene stuff, right? Like brushing my teeth, you know, doing mouthwash or whatever like that. I take a shower for 15 minutes and, you know, that sort of stuff. How I can, and optimizing that life cycle is something that I've been doing a lot. And I found that, you know, when, when people say they work like 40 hours a week or something like that, just by simply noticing patterns as to how you do things, um, I'm able to sequentially allocate my time more efficiently. A great example of this is like um, a lot of times um, I on, on Saturday mornings, um, I'll eat like rice in the morning. So I actually just turn my rice cooker on before I even like brush my teeth or go in the shower 
because it'll take the amount of time that I need it to in order to cook, right? Um, it sounds incredibly like weird to do that, but you know, over time I've noticed that the way that I take a shower and the way that I brush my teeth um, sort of happens to coincide with the time that it takes to cook rice. Um, and therefore it's a more efficient way of living my life. So then I found these like interesting pockets of time where I can focus on myself um, and, you know, doing the things that I love to do rather than working all the time. Right. Um, and that even comes down to like very real things. Example is that um, I schedule specific times where I look at my email um, every single day. I have three separate times where I'll read my email and respond to things. And then outside of those, I generally don't look at it and I don't really like care respond to anything um the reason why is just because like i found that you know if you're always spending time on email what you're doing is you're switching between tasks and there's these inefficiencies that sort of happen right it takes like these sort of like five seconds maybe for you to like get reaccustomed to what you're about to do um because you know you switch from you know this excel document that you're working on or this deal that you've been thinking about or this research task and then you're going to answer an email about some random idea um it just sort of distracts you and then you have to sort of spend this time in between figuring out what you want to write. So um, a lot of it is just like tracking what you do and making sure you block out time specifically for things. Um, but at the same time, right? Like it's not like robotic. It's to create this unstructured time where you can focus on things that are meaningful to you and not just sort of the day-to-day -day administrative sort of tasks that a lot of people spend their time doing. Um, you know, I'm a very statistic oriented person. I was a math major in college. Um, so like I keep deep statistics on how I get better at things over time. Um, a great example of that is I send, uh, an email to every single pe everybody in high alpha about a trending tech topic, um, almost every single day, um, as part of like something to do just to keep people on top of the tech topics that are happening. Um, you know, when I first started doing it, it would take me two hours to sort of read all the stuff and write an email, you know, over time, I've gotten more and more efficient at it. Um, and it's sort of like, it's almost a gratifying thing. It's like you understand that you're getting better at what you do. And it really sort of gives you these minute details as to life. Um, you know, my manager, Christian Anderson, um, is the person who sort of turned me on to this um, thing in life. And, you know, I've been, it's helped me a lot ever since I've done it. I would argue that, you know, before I started doing it, I was sort of doing things randomly. Um, and, you know, I spend a lot, you spend a lot of dead time doing things. Um, and then, you know, when you create this sense of urgency, when you have a clock and you say like, how long is this, um, writing this document going to take me, you end up cutting a lot of the distractions out, right? Like you don't want to watch YouTube because you're sort of racing against yourself in the clock. So it creates like the super efficient version of you. And then at the end of the day, you have like five extra hours that you're kind of like, what do I do with this time? And then you find ways to, you know, make your life better and more happy and more meaningful. So it's helped me a lot. Um, I would say it's really transformed how I live. Um, and so I can do all the things that I'm passionate about, as well as produce at a very high level um, for the things that, you know, I need to do put to put food on the table, or the things that, you know, um, I just want to spend my time doing. Trikar, I think we could talk more about I think you're going to be a serial entrepreneur and I, and I, I see the sky's the limit for you, man. Like there's a lot that you are process oriented, but you, you have these creative ideas and, and are learning how to communicate those. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just humbled for you to be on the show. So I think you're, you're going to be a rising star 
pretty darn quick here. Um, that's just my opinion. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate that. But, um, oh, you're most welcome. And you know, Shakar, I, you know, I'm not going to say your last name again. I'm going to go one for one, um, saying your name. Cause I don't want to go one for two. <laughs> sure. But, um, you know, I, I, Thank you for being on the show. I think uh, the Curtain Converge Coffee drinkers out there are going to really enjoy this episode going in and talking about, like, you know, talking about venture capital, talking about sprints, uh, market research, everything you provided, and even just the stuff that you yourself, as an active learner, I think will kind of inspire people to uh, think different ways on, um, I'm not just playing a video game, but I'm just thinking of a different way of, you know, how, you know, how things work. And so, you know, man, I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Uh, this is a lot of fun to do it. Um, this is the first time I've done something like this. So I appreciate you asking me to do something like this. It's something else that, you know, is expanding the way I do things and uh, hopefully making me better every single day. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm, I mean, you've already, you've already proven it. You know, you're doing things, new things, you know, trying new things every single day. And I think this is going to inspire a lot of the coffee drinkers. Um, so all to the coffee drinkers out there, the Converge Coffee people, um, thanks for listening to this episode and wait for the next one.